Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Louisville-based amateur MMA fighter Tyler Stout, sitting at 5-2 and two in his amateur career. We discuss many topics, including his definitive plans for a professional career. If you enjoyed today's episode, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. There we go. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I'm joined by Tyler Stout. Yes, sir. Tyler, thanks so much for joining me today. Um, Admittedly, I did commentary for the B2 Fighting Series for, I think, about every event for about four years. And then in 2020, I stopped doing the commentary, so I'm not as engaged in the scene right now as mm-hmm. I, I was, at least. You know, I at least prepared for commentating some of the the guys' fights, and so I was familiar with pretty much everyone. But you have kind of come come onto the scene somewhat relatively recently. Let's look at your tapology, right? Yes, sir. All right, so actually, if it's all right, Tyler, could you introduce yourself to the Kelly Patrick Show? Who's Tyler Stout? Where'd you grow up at? What sports did you play growing up? What brought you to pursuing a, a career, really, as a cage fighter? Okay. Um, I'm Tyler Stout. They call me No Smoke. Um, I grew up, I'm, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, what high school did you go to? I actually went to military school for high school and got my GED, but okay. the last uh, high school I went to was in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. Went to Lafayette High School. Um, I think it was after my freshman year, I left high school and went to military school, got my GED, graduated. I lived on a military base for like six months, actually. Why Why is that? Um, that was probably just the best option for me in my life at the moment. Were you a troublemaker? Uh, a little bit. A little bit. Okay. Yeah. Not too uncommon for a cage fighter to be a, grow up as a little bit of a troublemaker. Yeah. Um, I didn't really have any guidance when I was young, so I kind of figured everything out on my own. I kind of had to learn from my own mistakes. So, okay. Um, and, what sports uh, did you play as, I played, as a kid prior to high school and then during high school? Any? I played soccer, actually. Pretty okay. Pretty much my whole, my whole life. I was actually really good. I played for a travel team in uh, Chicago. And uh, 
I played in Louisville as well. I played in Louisiana too. Um, pretty much all over the place. Um, I ended up stopping playing soccer actually right after, not too long after I moved to Louisiana when I went to military school and I just never got back into it. Um, I've always been into combat sports though my whole life. I mean, I went to, uh, I was a purple belt in Taekwondo when I was young. That's actually where I met Nathan Pierce at. Um, Wonks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a long time ago. He used to watch over me when I was a youngster. Um, but, um, I mean, I wrestled a little bit. You did wrestle a little bit? Yeah, I wrestled a little bit. Prior to high school? Uh, yeah, yeah, middle school. Okay. Yep, yep. Who do you credit that to? Because that's kind of a specific thing if you didn't really have anyone guiding you. I mean, I'm curious. How did you? I got. I actually, my mom encouraged me to do a lot of things. She always tried to keep me in sports, and she knew I was kind of, you know, I was always a little guy, but I had a lot of, you know, aggressiveness in me. You know, I don't, sure. I don't know why I was just young and, you know, mean sometimes and. I always felt like I needed to defend myself, so I always had a lot of built-up, you know, energy, um, you know, ready to go at any moment. I had a, a real hard time controlling my anger and stuff when I was a youngster. But um, so she always tried to keep me busy to keep me out of trouble, you know. Okay. And you wrestled prior to high school. Did you yeah. play any – you play soccer or wrestling at all in high school? Uh, No. Okay. No, that's when as – soon, as soon as I started – you know, messing up. I got away from sports a little bit, and then uh, that's when my mom was, you know, because I wasn't really going to school. I wasn't showing up, or I, when I did show up, I was just, you know, messing off, really, you know. Um, so she she pretty much presented me with the option, you know, hey, we we can either do this, you know, that's probably, you know, the best option for you. We'll pull you out of school, put you in military school, but you got to live on the base, do this and that. Um, and then immediately when I got out, I was like 17, I started working. Um, so I really didn't have time to play soccer no more. I kind of gave it up, to be honest with you. Okay. What kind of work did you get into? Um, I think my first job was like, I think like Gaddyland or something. And oh, then okay. I started cutting grass and stuff like that, but pretty much just your basic stuff, you know what I mean? Okay. Um, I was young, just figuring it out. Probably, I probably had 20 jobs before I was 20. <laughs> okay. Now, looking over your topology, I see some promotions here that I'm not familiar with. Okay. How did you start your amateur MMA career? Let's see. I fought for Le Leo Code my first fight. Um, I think was that twenty twenty. Yep. And that's in Daytona Beach, Florida. Yeah, that was right when I moved to Florida. Okay. So, just, so I was living in Louisville, and uh, I had the opportunity to move down there. So I took advantage of the opportunity, and uh, we we lived down there for probably uh, about two and a half years. That's where I had my son down there too. He was born in Daytona, but that was my first fight. Daytona Beach, I think it was uh, at the Hilton on Beachside, and I fought a kid named Oliver Thomas. Um, I think I choked him out in like a minute and 20 seconds. Yeah, says rear naked choke yeah. victory in, in round one. Yeah. Okay. You know how it is for your first amateur fight. They kind of – It's a big deal, yeah. Yeah. To start out 1-0. and You never know who you're going to fight, though. It could be a good guy or Man. terrible, you know what I mean? I've always said that. People are always trying to tell me, Kelly, you should get in there and fight, and I'm like – I mean, if I knew I was fighting a certain person, maybe I could. Yeah. But, like, you have no idea if you sign up to fight someone could be the next, you know, whoever. They just happen to be making their debut. Yeah, when you know nothing about these guys, it makes it a little bit more nerve-wracking, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Especially, you know, you got a guy with, say, less than three fights. You don't really know much about these guys unless you can find some social media and kind of do your own research. Even but, if they're 0-1 or 0-2, you really don't know yeah. because they could have fought some studs. 
they, they they could be a real good wrestler, and they're all putting it all to you know. You just don't really know yeah. what you're getting. And into. a lot of amateur promotions. I mean, at the especially at the lower level, these these they're not putting out film and stuff like that. You know what I mean? There's only certain promotions I've seen at the low level that really care about putting out their fights like that. You know what I mean? That's one thing that I think the B2 Fighting Series has done a good job of for a long time. Yeah, I'm actually still waiting on them to drop my fight. They did for a, a long behind, time. Thanks to Matt McCarthy, originally, my buddy from high school, sold me that truck you just saw out back. Yeah. One of my producer for my podcast, Matt McCarthy, started LiveSportsCaster.com. In, like, 2016, 2017, no, actually, I think it was more like 2014, he started doing the pay-per-view for the B2 Fighting Series, and so people could see the YouTube videos, and when he was doing it, it was like, the week after your fight, you had a YouTube video. Yeah, that's that's always good to have, man, because you're a brand, you got to promote yourself, it's always good when people can see your fights, like... I like taking the highlights out of the fights and making the reels and just trying to put my name out there and get these people's attention because if you can get these people invested in you, especially emotionally, you know what I mean? That's how you carry that fan base to to the next level. It's prize fighting. It's all marketing. I mean, it's look at uh, so many examples, but Nate Diaz and Jake Paul, for example. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's not like the very best boxing match that we could watch, but I bet they'll make a good amount of money from it yeah it's yeah. all marketing and even Nate Diaz's MMA career if yeah. we were to dive into that he's or Mark Hunt for example those guys their records are not that far off from being 500 let's see Mark Hunt's a good example actually because I think he has about an actual 500 record in MMA let me see that dude's knocked a lot of 13 guys and up. 14 he's 13 won and 14. won 13 of his fights lost 14 <laughs> Yeah, but, but mean, if you look at though, oh so. yeah, he lost to Stipe Miocic, um, Brock Lesnar. Let's see who he's lost to in MMA. Uh, Overeem, Miocic, Verdum, Dos Santos. That was early. Too. Melvin Manhof, Overeem twice. Fedor, he lost to who? Josh Barnett. So it's like really your record in MMA, unless you're John Jones. I guess there's some exceptions, but not many. Yeah. But your your marketing is far more important for the sake of making money than your record. I guess it depends on which way you look at it because if, if you're a guy necessarily like me, like you care about both. Like I care about I, – obviously I care about my record because obviously your ego when you're a fighter, you want to you wanna have a good record a lot. Everybody wants to be undefeated. Everybody wants to, you know, have more wins than losses necessarily, but – um, I think it's all about who you're fighting, man. Like, I would much rather fight the top guys and be beating the top guys and understand where I'm at than trying to get a good record. And then on the other side, like you said, you got to build your name up as a brand. Like, you have to be – like, something has to be attentive about you as your character. Like, you have to get people emotionally invested in you. Like you said about Nate Diaz, like, we're following over, over him to, to boxing. Like, a lot of people don't really care about Jake Paul, like, maybe more the youngsters, but – Nate Diaz, like, we're emotionally invested in him because we watched his whole career come up, you know, so it's like we're going to follow him over to that and support him for that. Yeah, you know? and, and he even lost some of his biggest fights for sure of his career Yeah, but in he's MMA. another one that's fought, I mean, the who's who's of everybody, you know oh, what I yeah. mean? That dude's fought Benson Henderson, Conor McGregor, Jorge, I mean, everybody, bro. So it's like when you're fighting at the highest level like that, I mean – no one goes out there and says Nate Diaz is like the best fighter ever, nah, you know, or anything like that. But 
They respect for the most part. People respect him. He's twenty-one and thirteen as a pro. Yeah. I mean, look, look who he's lost to: Masvidal, Leon Edwards, Benson Henderson, Josh Thompson, Dos Anjos, Connor, Rory McDonald. I mean, it's just Greg Maynard. Greg Maynard. I mean, it's it's like a. That's what's important. Yeah, is the marketing. How important is it for you to make money from this? Um, I definitely that would that's probably my number one goal is to um to be able to make a life off of fighting without having to do anything else. You know what I mean? Support my family and have a home and have a lifestyle off of fighting. You know what I mean? Prize fighting. Um, and you say your family, you have a son. Yeah, yeah, I got a sixteen month old son, Trent. Yeah, and he he lives here in Louisville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's pretty important to you. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. That's that's my lifeline right there, bro. For sure. That's who. That's definitely who I do it for. Um, you know, it seems like ever since I had my son, everything kind of picked up with the fighting a little bit. Like, definitely became more than a, just a just a hobby. You have a girlfriend or a wife who's supportive? Uh, yeah, Carson. Um, that's his mother. Um, we've been together for a long time, man. And she must kids, be very bro. supportive if your fight career picked up after you had a kid. Yeah, yeah. Then that means that your your yeah. girlfriend or the mother to your child yeah. must be supportive of oh, you she, pursuing she, that. She definitely holds it down, man. She, you know, I owe a lot, owe a lot of credit to her because, you know, she takes care of everything as far as my son behind the scenes and stuff um, and just being there. I know it's hard, you know, being, being friends or being in a relationship with a fighter because how much time you got to spend training and not only that, like, I'm an amateur. I don't get paid for this shit, bro. So, like, I train like a professional, but... I got to work, too. So, like, I'm working during the day, and then by the time I get home, I might have, a, you know, a couple hours in between working and training. And then I'm at the gym all night, especially when I got fights coming up, dude. Like, you know, but I've, I've always been a team player as well, so I'm, I'm at the gym regardless if I got fights coming up because I'm trying to better myself outside of camps, but I'm helping other people at the gym, too, you know, returning the favor. And, uh, you know, you spend a lot of time away from home and stuff, so, you know, I know it's difficult, so... You know, your most recent fight was really your only fight for the B2 fighting series. For some reason, I was thinking you had more than one, but that that's why I'm not as familiar with your, yeah, who, your resume. Who, are you not familiar with um, what, who, Combat Night or just everybody on there besides B2? You know, I'm I'm not Fort Lauderdale Combat Night. I mean, I, w- actually, I won't claim to be real familiar with the Florida promotion, yeah. so I'm not saying it's not a big thing. They're you know, pretty big down south, man. They oh, yeah. um amateur pro promotion. They got a couple guys to the UFC in the Contender Series last year. They're oh, definitely nice. a feeder nowadays. Nice. I'm surprised they're not like on Fight Pass and stuff, but I got a lot of respect for them dudes, man, the guys that run the promotion, uh, Mitchell Chamali and Richard Cox, the matchmaker. Um, they definitely that, – that competition that they that they gave me there definitely prepared me for, for other fights outside because that's why I wanted to fight for B2 with the Kentucky rules to get no shin pads because in Florida you got to fight with shin pads. Mm. And, of course, like I've always destroyed guys' legs in every single one of my fights. And in my first fight without shin pads, I get a, a calf kick TKO, bro, of course, you know. Like a, a, I've landed nasty head kicks and stuff. Like you're talking with no shin pads, these guys are done for. You know, tearing these these dudes' legs up. Like Dalton Hunter, Hunter my second fight, mm-hmm. that's probably the only fight I got on YouTube. But everything else is on my Instagram. You can find all my fights and my highlights and stuff. But uh, when I fought Dalton Hunter, bro, I destroyed his legs. But we had thick old shin pads on for Rise of a Warrior with them stupid Florida rules, man. I mean. It's a big difference. There's got to be a difference between amateur and professional, right? Because obviously, then what's the point? 
You know what I mean? You're not getting paid. There should be some type of difference. But I just now at this level of my amateur career on the back end, I'm like, I don't really want no shin pads no more. But um, I would say Leo Co is starting to make their way up down south in Florida. They just turned professional. Professional. They got they offer professional fights now. Rise of a Warrior is uh, really good. Dan Donaldson over there, the matchmaker, he runs a good show. Um, that's more for like lower level amateurs, I would say. Um, that's cool, though. League, that's important. Yeah. Lower level amateur shows. Yeah. I mean, that that stuff's. They put on a good show, though. Yeah. But I'm saying, as far as like the guys that they can offer you, like he can't find me no fights right now. Like, oh, I see. Okay. You know what yeah. I mean? But yeah. as far as the competition they can provide, but it's always a good show. Um, and then Combat Night, like I said, uh, you know, they're. they're those those guys are, you know, they're doing it big down there for sure. Um, Noah Williams, man, they my first fight for them. That was a that dude broke my nose in the first round in like the first minute. Really? Yeah, bro, that was the toughest fight I probably had so far. For first, sure. you started out three and zero, and then you lost to Noah Williams. Yeah, unanimous was, decision. That kid was a he fought at forty five and thirty five, and he came down to flyweight to fight me. Wow! And uh, they give the two pound allowance, so he showed up at. At like a little over twenty seven, and we made him cut down to the limit because I knew he was a big boy, and uh, we we knew what we were getting ourselves into. He was just at a higher level of striking. He understood striking a little bit better than I did at the time, and uh, he definitely took advantage of that with the experience he had. And he was at a good gym, Infusion XL down in Orlando. They they got everybody, bro. How would you describe your fighting style? My fighting style, I'm definitely. I got. I would say I got good kicks, but I would say I'm definitely do all my work with my hands, really. But um, I'm starting to understand controlling this, the the space between my opponents and range and stuff now, to where it's like I don't. I, I can box outside of boxing range because boxing and wrestling range is really the same. Hmm. So you get too close with this boxing, these guys are gonna start grabbing you. I'm starting to understand how to box with range and use my kicks to. It's. I would say I'm a, like a box jitsu fighter is what I've always said since I first started. But um, I wouldn't say my jiu-jitsu style is jiu-jitsu. I would say more submission wrestling, sure. submission it's grappling. Type. MMA jiu-jitsu. Yeah. You know, I would say I'm a lot more familiar with that, you know, because that's where I spend a lot of my time. Is uh, You could tell where, where with my style where I spend a lot of my time. But um, I'm, I'm, I, f- I feel like I'm definitely an all-around fighter, and I'm a bad night for anybody that, that decides to step in there with me, to be honest with you, bro. Um, not on, on any cockies, anything like that. I'm just confident as far as my fight IQ level and my understanding of striking and fighting in general with MMA. Um, and as I'm getting more experience stepping in there, man, it's just it's I'm only getting better and better each time I step in there. And uh, it's only going to get worse for some of these guys, bro. You know, I'm starting to fight high-level competition as, a you know, the back end of an amateur career. By the time I'm ready to go pro, I'm telling you, man, I'm going to have that experience, ready to go. Are you a 125er for good? Yes, sir, yeah. yeah. The only reason it says weight on tapology is because the, the weight allowance, the two pounds. So I've showed up at 27 or 26 and a half, and they put it as a bantamweight fight on tapology. But I'm, I've always been a flyweight. I've never fought outside of 125. What's pounds. the most you've ever weighed in your life? Probably like 145. Okay, so you're not. You've never been. Nah. Never had an issue with. Nah, I'm probably 138 right now. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So if there was a lighter weight class, would that you be a candidate for that? Nah. 125 is nah, perfect. That's definitely for me, bro. Okay. 125. 125. I I feel like I'm not too big. I'm not too small. I can make the weight with ease, bro. And it's just, you know, I I I, I can recover and rehydrate very well. Um, 
I would think in the future, on on the back end of my thirties, I probably have to go up. I would One third, like, uh, okay. Yeah. At some point, maybe. Yeah, but the plan is the is the is the GoPro here soon, and and we're gonna try to make a push for the UFC or like, cause not not everybody offers a flyweight division. Sure. Like Bellator and PFL, they don't have no flyweights. It's hard to find fights at one twenty five. I'm sure. Yeah. For you. Well, right now, especially on this on this position where I'm at in the amateurs, it's it's a little difficult to find fights. You know, that's why they that's why they call me no smoke too, because it's kind of always been hard hard for me to get fights. To be honest with you. Nobody wants to. I'm not gonna say that, but it, it's difficult to find those. Yeah. Fights. Gotcha. Yeah. Who's your favorite MMA fighter of all time? All time or right now? Like, Both. completely all-time? Both. Two different questions. Probably all-time, probably Nick Diaz. Okay. Um, Nick. Okay. Right now, probably Justin Gaethje. Okay. Or, I would, or like a Cheeto Vera. One of those two, definitely. Okay. All-time Nick Diaz, though, for sure. How long have you trained at Area 502? I actually started at 502 with Phil, um, like, a little over four years ago. Okay. Before I moved to Florida. And um, got back there, got linked up with Nathan Pierce again. Um, he's in Florida right now, right? Yeah, he's he's doing good down there, man. He's he's training hard. He's he's definitely putting in the work, man. He's 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 got a good thing going down there. I like it for him. Um, as far as his life in general, he seems happy and like in a good space. You know what I mean? So that that's good for him. But I started I started with Phil, like I said, over a little four four years ago, and uh, I ended up moving to Florida, and I got with the gym down there um, with Richard Crunkleton. He actually fought in the UFC. He was a WEC guy, and uh, he got me my first fight. And um, we ended up separating after that first fight because he didn't really have much to offer me as far as training in the gym. But he was a, he was a cool guy. But just had he was a weird one character. And then I got hooked up with a guy, um, Pete White, boxing um, in Daytona. And um, I was training out there. They had a, a couple good guys, a lot of good boxers. And I, I ran into a guy, Zachary Grasso. And uh, I trained a lot with him. I wouldn't necessarily call him a coach. He was more of a trainer. And uh, he actually, I'm I'm still tight with him to this day. He ended up moving to Colorado. But I do a lot of my film study with him on my on opponents. Or we'll, we'll, we'll get together and just go over high-level fights in general. Um, I do a lot of film study with him, fight breakdowns. You know, he's pretty much the guy that showed me and got me to the level of understanding of striking or where I'm at right now. Um just, just the IQ in general, the way I think about striking definitely comes from that that dude that I met. Um, you know, we're still tight to this day. I've actually got a lot of good friends in Florida, but um, all across Florida, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, I've trained a lot of different places out there and met a lot of good people. Um, but Nathan's still down there at Elite Muay Thai. They got a good Muay Thai coach, um, and he's at, he actually helped me a lot with my kicks when we moved over to him after after uh, after um, we separated from Pete. Um, and uh, I got a guy down there, Taylor Kuna. He was uh, my main sparring partner for a long time. He got me through like four of my fights because um, we were at a small gym with Pete. We didn't really have many options as far as training partners. We had to go to other gyms and kind of go train with other flyweights or bantamweights. Um, but then I moved back up probably New Year's. The week of New Year's, we moved back up here and got back with Phil. But I was talking to Phil prior to that, so he already knew what was going on in my situation, and he was – you know, welcome, welcoming me with open arms and took me under his wing. And, you know, me and that dude got a pretty good thing going right now. I, I really like Phil. Um, I respect him. I respect his fight style and his knowledge that he's got. And I think me and him make a pretty good pair, man, to be honest with you. Looks like you also do some work, of course, with five-star boxing and Aaron Shekels. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep. That's um. I actually when I when I first started, uh, about four and a half years ago, I was, you know, in the boxing class with him and learning a lot from him and stuff too. But now it's like I get a little bit more one on one time with him now that I've uh, you know, joined back with Area Five Hundred Two and I got a couple fights in now. You know, I'm a little bit established. Um, so I, I feel like I kind of got my foot in the door with that and got a little bit more respect as a fighter and, you know, wanting coaches to work with me specifically, you know. Gaethje and Nick Diaz are both kind of boxing-centric, boxing-heavy yeah. MMA fighters, right? Yeah. And so boxing is a... I in, love boxing, man. Yeah. You love boxing for MMA. Yeah, because it's a different range. You're not going to get away with just boxing in the MMA cage. The range is different. Sure. You know, and then you run across these wrestlers and stuff, man. It's like elite-level footwork can 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 stall wrestlers and stuff, but you can't just have a – you can't just box. You got you to gotta understand the MMA range and the kickboxing range, you know. It's a little bit different. But, um, yeah, Nick Diaz, man, I don't know. I've just always been drawn to that dude, man. His, his style, his, his attitude – and then uh, just the the weed thing, how he got suspended and stuff. It's just like that was bullshit. Yeah, it's just that been was emotionally like the, invested in the guy for my whole life. You know what I mean? In a sport that's dominated by steroids, that <laughs> was the biggest bullshit ever. Hey, like, like they like demonized the him. How long was he was he pen, was he suspended for? Like two and a half years or something crazy? I think that was what they settled for. But I think it was five. But they originally for two he, and a half. because of weed. But I think like a five hundred thousand dollar fine or something, wasn't it? Something yeah, like it's just I, the craziest well, ruling yeah. ever, and it was only weed. No one's ever suspected he even did steroids. And like the like the quote, the the famous quote from them: "Everybody's on steroids, but you but you couldn't smoke weed back in the day, and now they don't care." NBA, everybody, UFC, yeah, everybody's I mean, like, they, "Oh, okay, sorry, guys." <laughs> they took him away from his prime. I've been put in jail twice for weed. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I've had my fair share of trouble with weed myself. Okay, so what I'm saying is like, and it wasn't like I was selling a bunch. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I was like moving a lot. Right. Just possession. So what I'm saying is, in hindsight, that was a bunch of bullshit that that people were being put in jail for fucking weed. And then he was suspended for like two and a half years and originally it was five. And like everybody was like, oh, (laughs) sorry guys, we made a mistake. Hopefully you can forgive us. I was like, no, that was expensive as hell. Like, like that's all. One one of the times I got arrested, it was literally just possession of marijuana. That yeah. was all I got put into a cell for. And then look at Nick now. Like, it's a, they took him two and a half years out of his prime, and look at him now. Like, you can tell. Like, you know, I've actually they came to uh, Nick came to Dark Wolf MMA down in Florida, and I got really? the, and I got the chance to train with him. Really, he, he kind of led a class for us. Wow, what kind of class? Is and uh, it was like. Um, he did, he did a lot of jujitsu stuff, but he went over some like, he's he's funny man. He went over some street fighting stuff. He's just he he was a little bit all over the place with the stuff he was showing, but you can tell that he's very invested in fighting, and that I would have loved to seen him not have that two and a half years taken away from him for sure. Because you can tell that he wishes he had it. You know what I mean? And his attitude now, like you can just tell he's got some resentment towards the sport for that. You know what I mean? As he should, yeah. yeah. I, I would say so. That I actually I got to train with with Nate Diaz too. Really? Uh, at a place called Six Levels in um, Altamont Springs, right outside of Orlando. Me and Nathan Pierce got to go out there. Oh, I did see a picture of Nathan Pierce with Nate Diaz yeah. at one point. Yeah, yeah. Now that you mentioned that, yeah, it was super cool, bro. What kind yeah. of training did you do with Nate? Um, he uh, he went over f- some uh, some guillotines and rear naked chokes. 
uh, specifically the one he finished Connor with. He kind of went over the whole sequence. It was some. It was real de- more detailed than you would think because it was, you know, you you you, you got back mount on the guy. You flatten him out. You lifting his forehead up, sliding. The, you know, it was a lot of detailed stuff. Sure. And he actually came over to me and Nathan um, specifically worked with us for like 10, 15 minutes. Wow. Like specifically, That's- like we got to. You know, it was real cool, man. He's just how you would expect him to be. Now, you said he was showing uh, rear naked choke, but also guillotine. Did he show any standing guillotines? Yeah, he showed Like with the, what he got this guy at the... Yeah, a little bit. The, the, the modified guillotines type. Yeah. That was... That was... Yeah. Is he going to get in trouble for that? I mean, you you wouldn't think so. I mean, it, because if you look at... There was two videos that came out or whatever, and I mean, the dude kind of... I mean, what do you expect? You're going to walk up to somebody like that, regardless if he's a fighter, like... Yeah, you, you shouldn't walk into anybody's personal space, regardless of what your intentions are. Sure, you know what I mean. You Agreed. don't know this guy. Don't walk in his personal, especially there's a whole street brawl going on, bro. Like, why are you walking up to a guy? Yeah, like leave. Like he had the option to turn around and walk away, but he walked up on Nate Diaz. Like, what do you expect? That looks just so easy. Yeah. Like that looked fake. It was like, oh, here, let me see your head. Oh, you're out. <laughs> right. Like the easiest get standing guillotine ever. Yeah, just supposedly put him that dude's out. got like five MMA fights. He's I, like 0-5. I saw that. A couple yeah. of jiu-jitsu matches and stuff. So like, but he knew what he, bro, you play stupid games, win stupid prizes. He knew what he was getting himself into. If he's 0-5 in amateur MMA, he definitely knows who Nate Diaz is. Yeah. So he knew what he was doing. And 0-5, like people would look at that like, you know, especially some casual people like, oh, you 0-5, like an amateur, like. People had never fought or whatever, but like the dude stepped in there, bro. Like he had one-on-one combat five times. Like and you you know we assume I mean? that that means he spent many hours training in gyms too. He's a blue belt, I think. Okay, yeah, and he's competed in jujitsu too no, and fought MMA. So I mean, he's probably knows what he's doing to a degree. Yeah, way better than the average person on the street. Oh, he would choke somebody out that probably doesn't know anything. Sure. You know what I mean? He's at least at that level, you would think. You know sure, I mean? but. Regardless of what level you are or what type of anything you got, don't walk up on somebody, especially when there's a street fight going on. Like, Agreed. You need to leave, bro. I would have left. Do you train in the gi much? I do not because, um, like I said, I mean, like, I, I love jujitsu. Don't get me wrong. I, I, and, I, and I spend a lot of time doing jujitsu and I studied jujitsu, but I'm just not a gi type of person. And then seven fights with the two and a half years, I just never had – I've always been camp, 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 camp. Makes and, sense. You know what I mean? I've never had time to put the gi on because it's been – you know, it's a, you know how gi training and gi jujitsu is. It's a lot more. It's a different deal. Yeah, yeah. it's just different. You know what I mean? It's, it's not preparing you specifically for yeah, the MMA cage. And there's a lot of positions that you go over in jujitsu that aren't really good for MMA. So if you get too comfortable, you're gonna you're gonna make a mistake in the MMA. Like the last dude I just fought was a purple belt in jujitsu. Like his style, he had four first round finishes in the in uh in the first minute. Uh, submit, Dominique submit, Keith. Yeah, submitting guys off his back, arm bars and triangles. Like, I mean, the dude was pulling guard in fights and finishing fights. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that kid was a top Midwest prospect, and I, and I dominated him. You know, all due respect to him, he's, he's, he's cool with me, but, you know, I smashed him. Did you win the first round also? Oh, yeah, I beat the shit out of that kid, <laughs> to be honest with you, bro. I mean, he was uh, a lot better than we expected because we did a lot of film study on this guy. We had a fucking really good game plan for this kid, man. And uh, we picked him apart. But he was just a better striker than we thought looking back on his film. And he didn't do none of that guard pulling stuff. Um, he was actually shooting in takedowns. He shot a good little single leg on me, but he never ran the pipe with the single leg. He tried to drive it like a double, so I just swept him right over top of me. And then um, I was I mounted him, actually, and he rolled for a heel hook. And he used the heel hook to get back on top of me. And then I up kicked him. It was pretty nasty, bro. I don't really? Know if you've seen the highlight? Yeah, no. it's pretty nasty, bro. You gotta check it out. Nice up kick. Yeah, the, the the. How do I see that? There's a short on YouTube. You can pull it up. 
If okay. you just look up uh, Tyler Stout MMA on YouTube, I, uh, I uploaded a short of it on there because B2 haven't dropped the fight yet. Tyler. But you can you can hear the, the shots like smacking off of him and everything. Tyler Stout MMA. Yeah, and the thud of the leg kick. Scroll down a little bit. The thud of the leg kick that finished him too smacked around the, the whole freaking arena. Which one is at. this? You might have to go. Let's see. Do you get shorts on there? I don't know. Uh, I see you do Tyler Is Stout. it a kick? Yeah, calf kick TKO. There it goes, right there. Tyler. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So Tyler, no smoke, stout, yeah. calf kick, TKO. Looks like he's pretty light on his pretty light on his feet, right? Yeah. Trade it right there. He's throwing Look, some kicks. Oh, oh you did sweet. a reversal. Yeah. Okay. Here's that up kick. On. Okay. Oh. oh shit. Okay. If you can hear it too, it's fucking loud, bro. <laughs> you train up kicks? Yeah. Phil's got a whole system for up kicks, bro. Really? Yeah. Dude, he's so knowledgeable. That's what me and that dude, I'm telling you, we could take this shit far. You and Phil? Yeah. He's he's coached a lot of MMA. He's cornered a lot of MMA fights. Yeah, he has. He's got some good experience being a coach, man. Nice sprawl there. He shot in, right? Yeah. Tried to pull guard, kind of. I mean, I'm, I'm talking six or seven calf kicks to the same spot. I mean, just eventually he was just dying for it, bro. You attend the, uh, what is it, Muay Thai kickboxing at 502 often? Uh, but I don't, I, it's, it's hard to explain my style, bro. Like I, I trained Muay Thai in the past, but it's just not something that I do on a daily basis. That like, was the, that was the finish right there. That calf kick. That right was the, the finish I just saw. Yeah. That you dropped him with the calf kick and the fight was over. Yeah. It was like about five, like six or seven to the same spot. Did you talk to him afterward? Yeah. He said, man, you fucked my calf up. <laughs> Did he? The first thing he said to me was, uh, bro, you beat the shit out of me. You're going to be a champion. Okay, and he, and he was five and one prior to this fight. Yeah, with four first round finishes in like less than two minutes, bro. And he he, he fought for some some good little leagues too, man. It's an aggressive uh, only uh, boxing loss. style you got there. Yeah, his right? only loss was that bantamweight. He but no flyweight. I'm the first flyweight to beat him. I mean, and this kid's dangerous, man. I mean, you take this kid lightly, you're gonna get choked out or put arm bar. You're gonna get your arm broken. And there's a boom right there. That right hand dropped his ass. Look, he tried to fight <laughs> Look, I, I double jabbed. I couldn't fit that in the video, though. Boom. That's the one that finished him. If you That's can hear crazy. it, bro, it, yeah. it made a nasty thud around the whole freaking. Can you think of any other uh, cases where a, a fight has been finished like that? Hell, yeah. Justin Gaethje, for oh, example. Okay, okay. There Definitely. you go. Okay, And okay. then Cheeto Vera, Sean O'Malley. Okay, okay. Like, like, Bro, I'm very invested in calf kicks, bro. Like, I know where I need to be to land one to where you can't check them. I know how to check them. Like, it's – I'm very advanced when it comes to this, some of this fight shit, bro. Like, I, I'm a little bit more detailed than a lot of these guys, and that's what's going to separate me, you know, from being up here from the guys down here. You know what I mean? My my level of IQ of fighting, like, everything I'm doing, I'm setting up something, bro. Like, I'm not just going in there and fighting. And I know what I'm getting myself into every time I step in there. So, fighting in Florida, being that you like the calf kick so much. <laughs> and my fucking first fight with no shin pads, bro. Calf kick finish. Like, it's, a, it's the proof's in the pudding, man. Kentucky's got a pretty good rule set. Yeah, I mean. For the amateurs. Yeah, I mean. Can't it, elbow to the face, but. You can knee, though. Yeah. What's the yeah. difference? Yeah. Do you look forward to being pro so you can elbow to the face? Hell yeah, because I've already, already trained them. You do? Already, yeah. How we, do you train we, elbows to the, I mean. Elbow pads. Elbow pads. So you pads. elbow your sparring partners? Absolutely. Okay. And you Absolutely. guys go, cool? 
Absolutely. So you are wearing elbow pads while you're doing yeah. MMA sparring? Yeah, I mean, we, we're safe with it. It's yeah, nothing yeah, like, I'm it's sure nothing. you're not going nuts. Yeah, and then like, like Maupin, for example, when he gets in there and starts throwing his crazy yeah, ass elbows, that yeah. shit's dangerous. Yeah. I don't want to spar with him. And it's he hard. asked me to spar him one time. I'm like, fuck no. Nah, I've watched your fights. <laughs> fuck no. Dude, fuck no. I don't want to do anything with you. That dude will kick you with no shin pads on in the <laughs> yeah. gym, too. <laughs> he kicked me in my liver one time, one time with no shin pads, and I was like, bro, fuck you, dude. <laughs> he's a he's a beast though, man. He's got a uh, a good little fight coming up on LFA. I love Nick Maupin. Yeah, he's 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 a character, man. Who doesn't love Nick Maupin? I mean, maybe Not sure. I guess maybe there's someone. Him. Yeah, <laughs> probably people who he's elbowing in the head. Exactly. The Josh Stanley fight. I was doing commentary for it. I don't know if you've seen that one. Have you seen that? This most recent or nope? Because I've seen Maupin fight a couple of times in person too. Let's see. I was commentating this fight. HR, HR MMA 104, Fight oh, 10. That was Nick Maupin. This was his pro debut. Oh, yeah. That was back when it was Hard Rock. Yeah. And so it was back in um, four years ago. No, nah, I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, look. The first comment here is Joshua Stanley, the guy he beat. He said, hats off to Nick Maupin on a stunning rally for the win. So in the Nick, comment. Nick, yeah, in the comments. That's his, the guy that he knocked out. Okay, so Nick lost the first two rounds of this fight for sure. I was like, he's because I knew Nick. I didn't know the other guy. I know he trains. His opponent here trains with Nathan Manis. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm doing commentary. I, I like, like Nick. Manis. I knew Nick. Everybody likes Nick. I've Blake known him for years. There's Blake O'Neill, Aaron Shekels, Aaron Allen, Nathan Pierce. Yep. <laughs> okay, so this is Nick Maupin versus Josh Stanley, 155 Pro. Nick comes in, and like I said, for the first couple rounds, in my opinion at least, definitely. He's taking a beating a little bit. Yeah, and he would admit, he has admitted that on the show. Dude's I mean, tough, it, man. But it's like when you're pro, you got that equalizer. If you got pointy elbows and you're crazy. And he could finish you too at any point. Watch this one. If you haven't seen this, to me, this is one of the most fucked up. I'll try to skip toward the end. So he's getting fucked up. All right. This is the end of the second round. Yeah, so here we go. Five minutes left in round three of three. Pro fight. This shit's cool, man. I have good memories of the... There's Will Owens back there. I have good memories of the... Local MMA is the coolest shit in the world. Yeah. <laughs> you see some crazy shit, man. And you see some prospects, some good guys coming up, especially, like, if you're from around that, that, that spot. You feel connection yeah, to you them. you can watch the talent coming up. you like, I mean, who doesn't want to support that? Like, you got to put on for your people, man. <laughs> All right, look. Nick somehow gets on top. What? We're actually, let's see how he got there. Probably some type of scramble or somebody made a mistake somewhere. And he just hustled. Took and advantage just, of it. Just yeah. scrappy as shit. Look, he's he's not giving up. Okay, he's definitely losing. Four minutes, five seconds left in round three. In my opinion, he's definitely losing. Nick gets the Ooh, shit. gets up there on a single. Hit. Did single get the hit. single against the cage. Took some now, elbows for it, though. Josh is trying to get like a triangle. Looks like he's working on like a triangle there. No. So Nick's on top. Uh oh, here it comes, and you're and he's like, "Oh shit, I'm pro now. I can fucking throw elbows." Okay. Oh, that's similar <laughs> to how he just finished his most recent fight. Very and, isn't it crazy? Look at this. Look at oh, that hole in the head. My goodness, Lord, boy. Okay, I'm Jesus sitting Christ. right here, right over here. 
My and I, I was staring at him like, oh, my God. Oh, he fucked and there's oh. blood coming out of his head. Look. It looks like there's a giant hole in his head. Definitely. Okay. Giant hole in his head. Wait till you see. I think you can see that there's just the – there's my buddy Matt McCarthy right there. Um, Todd Neal over here. Love it. I love seeing these old videos. That's why you can never count out Nick Mobbin, bro. I don't know who, you know, who, who utilizes just reckless, chaotic elbows – at least on the local scene that I know of, more so than this guy. He came over and said something to me right here. Hey, man, I, I need to get on the show or something. <laughs> there I am. See, Hell look yeah. at this. Oh, he's still out, bro. That's the most fucked up thing I've ever seen and that in dude, person. It looked like he was dead. It looked like there was a hole this big in his head, and everybody's like, oh, God, he died. And Nick's just like, I fucking won. That's a brutal knockout. Bro. Right? That was his pro debut. Started out 1-0. Now, what's this What's the deal with this guy? What's he doing nowadays? Let's Did see. he fight again? I know he still trains up there with Manus. Manus is a beast, bro. He is. He got I beat got, by Umar. Yeah, but look at the dudes he's fighting, man. Oh, agreed. He's fighting the fucking best in the world. Ain't nobody else taking that fight. No, he he's what fought like what two two Russians in a row. He's fought two people from Habib's team in a row. All right, so look, yeah, uh, uh, Stanley hasn't fought. Since that fight back in 2018. Fuck, who yeah. would, bro? Out that it bad, was disturbing. And this video doesn't even quite do it justice because I was cage side and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't There's a out. big hole in this guy's head and it looks like he's dead and there's blood everywhere. And I, it was really fucked up. Nick didn't give a fuck. He's just like, I won. Yeah, I'm surprised that didn't go viral. <laughs> you, get to, you get to train with Nick much? Oh, uh, when he comes to the gym, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know he's got a pretty crazy work schedule, so when he's there, I try to work with him and stuff. You know, we're just being different weight classes. It's it's a little difficult working with these bigger guys. See, Hacker and I doing the commentary over yeah. there. We're like, holy fuck. I that usually was... separate myself from the bigger guys in the gym sometimes. That's that fair. Don't, I don't ever duck hard rolls or nothing like that, but it's like, bro, I'm 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 more for longevity. Like, I'm not getting hurt in the gym just because I'm going with somebody bigger. That you makes sense. I mean? so, not... so you're making a point there similar to the point you made about not training gi jiu-jitsu. Why would you do it? It doesn't help you specifically for your MMA career. Yeah, I'd rather train with bantamweights, bro, to be honest. like I train Same thing. Bit. Why yeah. train with someone who's 250 pounds when you're never going to fight someone that big? Yeah. I mean, the, the bantamweights, you, you got, some of them aren't as fast as the flyweights. I would say that'd be the biggest difference. Because I fought some fast dudes, bro. Like, I fought four southpaws in a row, and they were f super quick, bro. Wrestlers? Nah, uh, two strikers. One wrestler or three strikers. Okay. All southpaws. Okay. Yeah. But uh, the the speed difference a little bit is, in flyweight is is difficult to handle sometimes being, a, you know, walking around it heavier than these guys. How do you attack a southpaw? Do you stay orthodox? Yeah, I mean, I, I can... You don't switch, do I'm you? I'm comfortable switching stances, yeah. As you can see, in my fight, I, I actually I set up a calf kick from Southpaw. Okay. And got the the one right before the finish. But, um, I mean, you just attack. You try to set up everything from your power side, and you got to watch that left hand because it could be difficult. But I've got a lot of experience going with the op open stance, so I'm comfortable with it. It doesn't bother me. Okay. So, any word on what's next for Tyler Stout? Um, well, we got Phil. He's in Brazil right now, so we're waiting on him to get back. I know Nick Moppin and Nathan Pierce both got fights in June for big promotions. 
LFA and then another promotion for Nathan on Fight Pass. He's going to Canada to come smash some dude. Uh, you know, I'm trying to. I would. I would like to fight in June because I just came off of a, some good uh, momentum to to say. You know what I mean? So I would rather no injuries, which is rare. So I, I'm healthy. I'm ready to go. My weight's low. I'm training. I'm active. So I'm ready to get after it. You know, I'd rather fight in June, but it looks like July is gonna have to be it. Okay. And, uh, Nothing wrong with that. You're 26. You got time. Yeah, but I want I want to fight. Like at this point, I'm like, let's fight the guys that make sure I'm ready to go pro. Like I'm not just gonna fight anybody. You're like, not just I don't, trying to get a win. I don't even care about belts. I don't care about no amateur belts. Like I want to fight the best guy, the, the the best guys in in the promotions that they can offer me, no matter where. You know, I'd rather fight close to Louisville because I can sell tickets and offer a little bit more. But you know, I'll fight the best guys anywhere, making sure I'm ready to go. Because when I turn pro, I don't want no mistakes. I want to make sure I'm ready. This is a video we're watching now is Nathan Pierce against Corey Holbrook. Yeah, he smashed this dude. Corey Holbrook was cocky, bro. Yeah, and leading up to this fight, most people, I, I, I would say I'm a good resource for knowing who everyone thought was going to win. Maybe at your gym, everyone thought Nathan would win, probably. But, or you know, you were probably in Florida at this time. No, nah, this was right before I went. Oh, okay. This was actually the first fight I seen in person from Nate. Oh, okay. I was there in the crowd. For his pro debut. Yeah, so yeah, Nathan, yeah. Nate Manis fought this night, too. A little bit more of a dad bod than Corey Holbrook, who's more chiseled. And so a lot of people were saying, oh, yeah, the stronger-looking guy's going to win. And then even at the weigh-ins, there was some shit talk. Yeah, and let's be real. Look at Corey Holbrook, man. He's probably on some little juice or something, bro. Yeah. And maybe, then, you know. Maybe. You know how it goes. <laughs> you think maybe or you think yeah. <laughs> But no, nah, he he smacked Nathan's. He like smacked his little, like smacked his tit or something. Yeah, like he did. Know? He smacked his tit. But but I think this was kind of cool because Nathan was an amateur for a long time. Yeah. I think like ten years. This was Nathan's best fight. Bro. And this was his pro debut, and everybody was writing him off, and he was going against this guy who looked like a you know he's, Adonis he's, or whatever. He still got that issue, man. People writing him off, bro. Yeah. You know, people don't believe in my boy, but if you sleep on Nathan, bro. I'm telling you, man, it just it can end bad for for the for the people that sleep on Nate. You know, he's very fifty fifty on what Nathan shows up. You know, hopefully we can get him to get it together. But when he does put it together, man, he's an issue, man. You know, people people don't expect it from him, but I'm telling you, that dude can cause some damage. And he's a tough son of a bitch too. Mm-hmm. Interesting fight right here. Uh, Corey's throwing some leg kicks that don't look like they have much on him, right? Checking them. Yeah, Nathan's checking him. So we're watching round one, four minutes left in round one. Nathan Pierce against Corey Holbrook. There's another leg kick. So so Corey Holbrook has thrown he's, quite a bit of leg Nate's kicks. Nathan just it. returned him. It was a leg kick battle in the early uh, early couple of minutes, bro, with this fight. I remember this. I was sitting in the crowd. Nathan's got a lot of head movement going on. Yeah, he and, likes fighting in the pocket. Mm-hmm. That was a nasty leg kick right there. Thus far, difficult round to judge. Yeah. It's crazy to say that this was the best fight from Nate, like the best performance when he's so much better and different now. Oh, I he's believe just, he the is. The competition he's fighting now, bro, is just like he fought Chris Mixon and then Perry Stargell right after, bro. Like, that's just, that's murderer's row right there. Them guys are ready for the UFC. Oh, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Especially Chris Mixon, dude. He's in, He was just in the PFL. You know, he's fighting for Brendan Allen's uh, stuff this weekend on Saturday, but he's still signed to the PFL. They just let him fight somewhere else because they couldn't find him none. But, I mean, he's fighting killers, bro. Mm-hmm. 
And he always has. Yeah. If you look back over his amateur career, let's look at that real quick. Um, <laughs> you know, Nathan Pierce was the first amateur, the first MMA fighter I ever interviewed, I think in 2013. Oh, yeah. I, didn't you, didn't, y'all just did one recently a couple years ago too, right? Yeah. yeah yep, I, I, yep. That's the one I listened to because I, I think he, he mentioned something about me in there. Okay. So, look, I interviewed him, I think in 2000, let's see, 2014. Right before this fight against Rob Covington. <laughs> so he fought Portland Pringle, who's a fucking beast. I mean, he just has always fought name. whoever is in front of him. <laughs> and and uh, I interviewed him right before this Rob Covington matchup in 2014. And he got knocked out. I was there. I think it was in Lexington, if I remember. Let's see. No, it was in Shepherdsville. Yeah, I remember that card, man. But yeah, it was a... Uh, uh, Nathan has been in this game for a long time, and he's always fought whoever's in front of him. Yeah, that's my boy, man. I got a lot of respect for Nate. He's uh, he's always been by my side, man. Looked after me, and and in whole other ways outside of fighting, bro. Just as a brother, you know, as a brother, as a best friend, you know, he's always made sure I was straight. I've never heard anyone suggest he's anything uh, short of being just a real good guy. He's a good friend, a good brother, good family member. You know, he's he. He, he, you know, he loves my son like a like a nephew. You know what I'm saying? He's very involved with me and my family. You think he'll end up back in Louisville? Uh, he he takes offense to that a little bit. When I say that, when, when anyone a lot said- of people, yeah, when he gets he gets a little frustrated when people say that. Uh, uh, from what I've seen, that, that's you know, fair. He feels like when you articulate when you, what Nathan would say in your opinion. What would what would like he say he, if he, I say Nathan? When are you moving back to Louisville? What would he say? He wouldn't cuss. I know that, but what would he say? He would probably. He would. I don't know if he. He might not answer. He okay. Might, to be honest, he might just be overhearing the question. But I don't think he would take offense to it from you because I think he knows you're probably just asking. Like, hey, yeah. Man, you, yeah okay. you know yeah. what I mean? But like, he takes it as like you don't believe in me. Oh, okay. You know okay. what I mean? Well, like, you gotta I'm in have Florida an edge. Trying to fight and train and do my thing and like you asking me when I'm coming back. It feels okay. like you're pulling me back. Like that's how he takes it in my in my eyes. Fair. You know what I mean? Or it's like because from my point of view, like I was in Louisville. I moved to Florida. He moved to Florida. I'm moving. I moved back to Louisville. So it's like, you know, maybe he doesn't want to look like he's co- coming with me too. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. okay. So it's like you got you got to let he's a grown man too. You got to let him do his thing. He he's, seems like he's got a good thing going. So seems like he's one of your best friends. That's my that's my that's my top dog right there. My, one of my road dogs. He's the first person I call any anything. Even now when he's in Florida. Yeah. Okay. Hundred percent. That dude will drop drop on a drop of a dime, buy a plane ticket and get up here now. If I called him tomorrow and said, I need you to come through, he'd come. Here we go. Nathan Pierce. That's the finish right there, isn't it? Of Corey Holbrook, yep. It was a big slam. Did you see, did you see the slam? The slam yeah. is what hurt him, bro. Let's see where that is. is it's it, coming up. It's coming up right yeah, here. Right so on point. One minute and five seconds left in round one. Because they clinch right here. And they, okay, he gets in there. Nice. Boom. Okay, nice. It hurt his shoulder. I like it. That was a simple little – I say simple, but it – now watch the finish the sequence from here. Ever since the slam, Corey was done. Uh, it's, it, he slammed him right on his shoulder. If you've seen it, maybe that maybe that hurt him. Look, I think I see Chris Lytle over there. Yeah, Lytle was doing commentary with Is that Rob Raymond taking with Hack, Hacker and I. Yep, look at Hacker over there. <laughs> like, boom, <laughs> supposed to be unbiased. <laughs> Hacker's supposed to be unbiased. Yeah, Hacker's my dude, man. Yeah, Hacker's a good guy. That's my dude, man. He's been looking out for me in the gym too, showing me a lot of stuff and just being involved. Holding pads, going over positions, you know, taking over MMA class when Phil's got things to do. 
you know, he's definitely been a – and he just got his fucking black belt, bro. Yeah, well-deserved. Well-deserved. Yeah. And when he was fighting, he was a beast too, man. Agreed, yeah. He was the 170 champ. Yeah. Could have, you know, all – if everything had fallen in place, he could have seriously oh, pursued and, a, a legitimate MMA career. Blake O'Neill too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Blake for guys. sure, yeah. They're definitely very knowledgeable. <laughs> I've rolled with both of those guys. They're not like – Pussies. Yeah, no, I'm too, I'm too <laughs> little for that that part of the gym. But nah, even if I was their size, bro, I wouldn't. No, those guys are tough as shit. Hell yeah, I don't know, bro. I don't know if I would. If I was at a bigger weight class, I don't know if I would want to take those shots. Okay. Because I'm like, I'm very in tune with what's going on here. Like, I'm very aware of what risks I take. Interesting. Doing this stuff, so it's like being a flyweight. We're a little bit more technical, and, and I just feel like you don't take the shots you take at a heavier weight class being this low. Very rare, even in boxing. Yeah. Now, Javante Davis at 135, he's fucking people beast. up with power. Beast. Beast. He's got the power. He didn't even throw many punches. He yeah. just waits and throws, like, a huge counter, and then the yeah. fight's over. That's what I'm starting to figure out, too, man. Like, I, I've got the power to finish fights, but I've tried to look for it too much. Now I just let it come, and it's like I'm breaking these dudes, man, with with Combos. pressure and it, yeah. Just I can hurt you anywhere, bro. Your head, your body, your legs, bro. I can I can finish you on the mat if you let me get on top of you, bro. It's over. I got submissions, everything. If someone's listening and they want to support Tyler Stout, how can they do that? You can follow me on Instagram at Ty No Smoke. Um, you can like and comment on my stuff. I appreciate all the support. Um, sponsorships are available. I, w- I would love to get some more sponsors in my life. Um, probably gonna turn pro soon, man. So now the time. If you if you want to jump on the train, don't don't jump on it when it's too late, when it already passes through the city. Cause once I take off, I'm out of here, man. I got big goals, big dreams. When we go pro, we're pe- we're making a push to the UFC. Um, uh, shit, even like one championship, I I would do that too, cause they they offer flyweight anywhere that offers a flyweight that I can get to the top. Like I said, I want to get, I want to be the best, but the main goal is I want to make a living off of fighting, bro. So I'll, I'll beat that ass for a check real quick. I'll tell you that. Now, if a sponsor or a potential sponsor were to be listening, Tyler Stout, you are a father. Yes, sir. That's important. Yeah, you're not a, you're not a deadbeat dad. No, hell no. Being a good father is. Sounds like it's pretty important to you. Yeah, absolutely. That's my number one thing, bro. Like, fighting is is my number one thing, but my son comes first before anything. You just have one kid? Yeah. Yeah. You want to have more? Uh, possibly. I'd rather I'd rather try to make a push for fighting before I start having more kids. Fair. I would like to. I would like to get. You know, like get to the UFC before I would have another one. Yeah. Or one. Yeah, yeah. The I top level of one twenty five. Yeah, regardless. Now of where that it they, is. especially now that they've come to America, and bro, look at the rule set over there. Yeah, it's like, different. A lot of these guys, like, cause I'm a, I'm a hard dude to take down. Like, I get taken down a lot in the gym, but like in the fights, no. Like I've stuff like I've got probably over seventy five percent, you know, takedown defense. If you actually would watch, go back my fights and do the stats, you know what I mean? But you, the, you being taken down in the gym a lot is probably why you have good takedown defense. Yeah, that's because I'm usually defense. the smallest guy in the gym too, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And then like, I know where I stand. I know where I'm good at, so it's like, I train with a lot of grapplers. You know what I mean? I train with a lot of guys that try to take me down and, and finish me on the mat. That's what makes me so dangerous, bro, because like, I'm used to that. Everybody I fight tries to take me down, bro. I fought strikers and they still, I've turned strikers into grapplers. Like Eric Rodriguez, striker. Had him shooting for dear life. Noah Williams was out striking me and still shooting because I just had too much pop on my shots. Edric Clark, striker, shooting on me. 
I fought him in Fort Lauderdale, man. Uh, I won that fight, to be honest with you. That was a straight robbery. He's from Fort Lauderdale. He trains out of um, fight sports down there. Um, the, the, the kid's young, man. He's good, but, bro, I just had too much grown man strength on him, bro. He, it, it, I caught him early with a head kick in the first round. It would have finished him with no shin pads. You know, he got the, he got a little bit better the first round, and then I took over the fight from there and just Fort Lauderdale. They had, you know, I, look, I really love combat night, but the judges that night, they had um, other fighters judging. And one of, the, one of the judges was a fighter, a flyweight, and I was supposed to fight with his teammate. What? And I ended up getting my nose broke, and I had to pull out of the fight. One of the only fights I've ever pulled out of. I, the only fight I ever actually pulled out of because of the Kamiko Hall fight. That's another story right there, but... Um, but yeah, they had Damian Martinez, um, his teammate judged my fight and that fight got scrapped and we kind of had a little bit of words back and forth and, and then he, 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 he somehow got to judge the fight yeah. where you lost to Edric Clark and it was a title fight. No five. That's rounds. the fight. Edric Clark. Yeah. And yeah. I, I had, a, I had three rounds with him in a title fight should have been five rounds, but the rules in Florida are just so like, like, I'm a competitor, but I'm a fighter, bro. Like, if you put too much of a rule set on me, like, people can work around it, I feel like. Like, when you just put in a straight-up fight, like, I'm finishing, guys. So you see the difference, the proofs in the pudding with the B2 fight. It would be nice if all, the at least the United States, let's say, comes together and has, like, these are the amateur rules, yeah. these are the pro rules. Let's stick with it. You don't see, like, basketball being like, well, exactly. in this league, they don't have a three-pointer. Yeah, I mean, like, maybe, like, I would say, like, the knees to the face and B2 are pushing it a little bit for amateurs. I mean, if you're an amateur and not getting paid, I don't think you should be taking knees to the face. But well, I that's, think Kentucky, it, I, that's Kentucky rules. Yeah, so but, like, be, in Florida, you can't knee to the face. Oh, yeah. But I don't want to fight with shin pads either because I'm talking, like, Edric Clark, Clark first round, nasty head kick. Like, that probably, probably would have been over, to be honest with you. Dalton, but your shin guards. Yeah, Dalton Hunter, unanimous decision. He, that would have probably been another leg kick TKO. You know, there's a, there's the the rule set in Florida has held me back a little bit, definitely, definitely. But maybe it's helped you develop other parts of your game. It's helped me develop and get experience too, because you know, give or take, I'd be taking shots with no shin pads too. Mm -hmm. So it's like you know what I mean. I'm just going off of what what I've done in fights and can see. Like if if these didn't have no pads, bro, fight would have been over. But the same thing towards me, it could, could go the other way as well. You know, but now I'm like now that I fought with no shin pads, I don't think I want to go back. Well, you live here? Yeah, but I still get opportunities to fight in Florida. I yeah, still if you're 125, you got to be ready to travel. Yeah, well, because in, being an amateur, like, I'm not fighting for a promotion that doesn't have anything to offer me as a pro. And I have a relationship with Combat Night. If they offer me a fight, I'll take it for sure. Especially because they'll, they'll, I don't have to worry about them fucking me over as a professional because I've established myself as an amateur, bro. Those All three of those are all Combat Night, all Fight of the Nights. Me and Noah Williams nominated for Fight of the Year, bro. I got they they gave me a uh, they gave me a lot of free gear. They gave me a bump box, um, five hundred dollar system, bro, with uh, a whole with a picture of me airbrushed on the front, a real picture like th uh, like punching a dude in the fight. Wow! With my name on the front for for getting nominated for fight of the year. Um, they just bro, I, when I fought Noah Williams, Mike Perry was in the crowd. Really? Um, <laughs> Alex the Spartan Nicholson, Kobe Covington came through. It was the night he got punched by Jorge. He came to Orlando and then flew to Miami to go to, uh, or went to Miami to go to Poppy Steakhouse. Wow. It's on Combat Night's page. They, he was in the crowd when I fought. Interesting. Yeah. Of course, I lost, but, you know, if I would have won, <laughs> Kobe would have seen me win. So I see you fought Daytona Beach, 
Fort Lauderdale, Orlando, I, Orlando. Um, Five Hundred Two put some guys onto like some Tampa area shows. You ever done anything like that? Or yeah, ever looked WCFL. Into they just started going pro pro stuff too. Um, so maybe you could fight for them. Yeah, uh, Phil's talked about it. I'm down. I'm down. I just don't really. I've never fought for him. I don't really have like a relationship with him, but Phil does. So that would I would let him just handle that. But I would, I, yeah, I wouldn't say no. And it doesn't have to be Florida or Kentucky. If B two had a fight for you in yeah. Alabama or like, something, yeah, like I said, I'm just ready to fight the best guys. You know what I mean? Make sure I'm ready to go. Like I'm not like I don't care about no titles. It's like this. Uh, the last fight on on the card on the B two card, they had a flyweight title fight. Um, uh, Torian Cook coming down from 35, coming off a loss in the first minute, got triangled. Coming down from 35, first flight at flyweight, they give him a, a title shot because all his fights were at B two. It's like, bro, I was I was four and two, fighting the top mm. top guys, bro. Like, look at the guys I fought. You know what I mean? And the records as an amateur. Like, okay. I went through a hard path as an amateur, and then they let him fight uh, Anthony Jagel, four and zero. Ain't never fought nobody. Good wrestler, but he's a he's a little guy, and he's he ain't really fought nobody. And they let them get the title fight. So when I finished Dominic, I was yelling in the crowd, bro. That was, this was the real title fight. And and to be honest, like. We asked for the Anthony Jagel fight. I don't know what's going on with it, but I can care less about that fight, bro, because I don't feel like beating that dude or fighting that dude in general is going to help me get to the next level. He presents different problems than normal because he's such a short guy and he's a stocky, strong wrestler, and he could probably cause some damage on top of you. But he's like, there's levels to the game, bro. Like, it's just. You train with wrestlers. Yeah, I've always trained with wrestlers. Always, since I started. I've trained like the the most highest level wrestler I probably ever trained with was uh, Jacob Toledo, and uh, a guy named Uzi, a Brazilian guy. He was on the Brazilian Olympic team, and he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. I've trained with high level reps, grapplers in general. That's why that's what's helped me elevate. You don't never sit, bro. I ain't never been finished or even controlled on the mat before, bro. Never, never been finished on anything. Never even really had anything significant done to me besides when Noah broke my nose. You know. Is there anyone in particular you would like to call out? Uh, yeah, I'd like to get the Edric Clark fight back for sure. The rematch. He told um, he told Mitchell he was going pro. That's why they didn't because they offered the rematch. Like even the referee in 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 the promoter of the of the show told me I won the fight. They were like, right. I think they got the decision wrong. You know, but that's on me letting it go to the judges. I should have I should have finished the guy. You know. You talked to Edric afterward. Yeah, I talked to him in the back. Everybody, bro, we told him. I was like, bro, we think we won the fight, you know? And he's like, we kind of made an agreement that we could run it back, you know, verbally. Right there you did. Yeah, right then and there, in the back. We we talked in the back. Well, I got a picture in the back with him, talking in the back. Like a picture with him and a picture of us talking. Like we talked about it, and then he told Mitchell he was going professional. That's why they didn't want the fight. And then now he's fighting a kid named Lewis uh, from Carson Gracie Melbourne, which I've trained with him as well. Like he's a good kid. I respect him, but, you know, I want that fight. Anyone else? No, nah, I just want the best guys. Give me the best guy. Give me the best guy in the country at flyweight. You train with Aaron Sheckles quite a bit. Have you ever considered doing a boxing match? I would, but um, me, I think with me having so many MMA fights, I wouldn't get. It. I'd be zero and zero in boxing, and I wouldn't fight an zero and zero guy. I don't think. I think they because I'm seven because I've got seven fights in MMA. They would they would probably offer me a guy with seven boxing fights and this. That's not big real. difference, bro. Oh you know yeah, saying? this is boxing a whole different sport. Yeah, boxing ain't uh, MMA ain't boxing, bro. Like, if you don't understand boxing coming from MMA, like you can get fucked up real quick, bro. In that rule set, and vice versa. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. They're just different sports. 
Yeah, I think MMA fighters can embarrass a boxer worse on the mat than they can do us on the feet. Oh, yeah. But they can knock us cold clean out. Oh, yeah. That's with true. ease, probably. Yeah. Like a very experienced boxer versus an MMA guy that's not really a boxer. Even if he's good at boxing for MMA. Yeah, the yeah. range is different, bro. The punches are different. Like in MMA, you can't even turn your punches over all the way because you'll close the distance too much or you'll get taken down trying to sit on the shot. Like you got to pick and choose when you sit down on your punches or you'll get taken down or you'll be out of position. Like anybody can get taken down in MMA. You don't even have to be a, a crazy good wrestler. That's very true. You could take somebody down easily cause, at, just because of position. Or you just throw a solid cross and then shoot, and they grew up wrestling, but they're not used to getting punched in the face and then a shot. Yeah. So you get a, you're get you like, I fucking took a good wrestler down. Yeah, Shit or like, like that happens. a lot of my takedowns come from people trying to take me down. Oh, and they okay, get swept and they get thrown trying to take me down, and I'm on next thing you know, I'm on top. You know? or, or from the up kicks in general. You know, I, kicked, I up kicked Dominic in his face, and he sat down afterwards, and I got on top. You know, it's like, I don't even shoot. You know, I usually get a, a lot of shit from trips and in the clinch and then catching kicks and just throwing people on their back, you know, or, or people trying to take me down and they just end up on their back because it don't, you know, don't work that way with me. You know, I'm not going to sit on my back and let somebody beat my ass. Are you a fan, a fan of any combat sports except for MMA, like as a, a spectator? Yeah, hell yeah. Boxing, Muay Thai. Uh, I'm just not the, the I'm just not a big fan of jujitsu like the new school jujitsu the pulling guard and the butt scooting and stuff. I don't watch any grappling to be honest with you. Bro. I don't either. Like I would much rather I do watch train jujitsu. I, I, I do train jujitsu two maybe three times a week, but yeah. I don't like watching competitive jujitsu. Well, I do like watching boxing. Even the high level jujitsu. Like I tried to watch the Gordon Ryan Bo Nickel match. I had to skip through that shit to the finish because I just can't. I just I don't have no interest in that. And like I don't even want to do a grappling match. People ask me all the time. They're like. It'll just keep you active in there. I'm like, bro, if I got time to do a grappling match and I'm healthy, then I could have fought. Like, I'm not doing a grappling match. Okay. You know, but, like, I'm real into boxing, Muay Thai. Like, I love Rod Tang and the one championship style they got going on with the with the Muay Thai. Um, I, I would – I'd compete in boxing and Muay Thai bef before I would do anything else outside of MMA. But I'm an MMA fighter, bro. Like, that's my goal. And I'm fo fully focused on my goal. So, I don't, I don't really care about doing nothing else. Do you have a favorite current boxer? Probably Gervonta, but I like Lomachenko, too. Okay. To be honest with you. Loma that, fights tomorrow. Hell yeah, the Devin Haney fight, bro. Who do you think is going to win that? Uh, Devin's long, man. He's, he's, he's bigger. He's if you look at the weigh-ins and shit, it's yeah. like this is, they're in the same weight class. It could go 50-50, bro. Yeah, yeah, Devin's, it's about it, a 50-50. Devin's got to go after him. Want. If he sits back and plays defense with Loma, he's going to pick the fight away. If so he you goes think after he, Loma, he lose he a decision? Win. Yeah, he, both of them can lose a decision. Both. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't think neither one finishes each other. You don't? Nah. But but would okay. Either one of them could fin could win with a decision also. I think so. Okay. Personally, yeah. Loma's so crazy technical with how he's like lined up with you and then out of nowhere he like magically just goes to a different angle. Yeah, but a lot of it's offensive. Sure. He he gets the guys to start playing defense and then he's hitting angles on you. Okay. You know what I mean? It's not really when you go after Loma, the fights look a little bit different. From where he fought Tiafimo. So example. you do follow boxing? Yeah, hell, hell yeah, 100%. Second favorite combat sport to follow is boxing? Yes. Okay. Um, Tiafimo. And then, okay. It's funny how a bo like that MMA or boxing math. So Tiafimo then lost to Cambosa. <laughs> Fight math don't make sense, bro. And then and then Haney beat Cambosa twice, I think, right? Yep, styles make matchups. So that yeah, Haney beat Cambosa twice. Yeah, so that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. So we'll just see Loma versus Haney tomorrow. Yeah. Do you think Haney's maybe kind of like a, uh, uh, I know it's 
cheap to make these comparisons, but kind of like a young young Floyd or something like that, or he wants to be, or what do you think? Nah, I mean, he's got his own little style going, to be honest. You know, like uh, it's one fight. He got he, it's the first time he got his chin cracked, and he wobbled just a little bit early, and he took away from the fight after that. I can't remember who he fought, though. I can't remember who it was. Mm-hmm. But um, that's when I seen Devin Haney. I'm like, okay, he's not, he ain't just a boxer. He's a fighter. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, here's the difference between being a boxer and being a fighter. Interesting. So the boxer is more of the tech, tactician, yeah. smart, yeah. chill, counter-punching, yeah. hanging out, doing the right thing. You see you see the fighter come out when you make a mistake and somebody capitalizes on it. You, that's when the fighter comes out. If you accidentally get caught making a mistake, fight or flight, that's when you see the fighter come Who out. Was, I recorded an episode with, um, fuck, someone a couple days ago. And we were talking about that. And I said, I was there in Madison Square Garden when Andy Ruiz fought Anthony Joshua. I was there. Were you? Yeah. That was probably badass, bro. The it was one, so right? fucking crazy. The yeah, first the first one. one. Second one was in Saudi Arabia. So I was in New York, though, for the first one. And it was just some fat Mexican guy that nobody, nobody there. It was yeah, all everybody English. was there for Anthony Joshua. Yeah, it was his American debut. But he got, if you, if you remember, Andy Ruiz Jr. got knocked down. Mm-hmm. Early, too, right? And then right when he got knocked down, you watch the video and his arm went behind his back. Looked like he could have broke his arm. It was kind of awkward fall. But then he got up and just attacked. So that's what you're describing. He got knocked the fuck at, down in front of everybody. Yeah. But right then something inside him went off. Yeah, you fight or flight, bro. And you're like, all right, well. If you still got your wits to you, like if you're not knocked out, like not know where you're at, like if you're still there, the, that's the that time fight to or go flight nuts. instinct's going to kick in, bro. Makes sense. You know what I mean? It's like... Like like Justin Gaethje, for example, but fight or flight, bro. Like he's very comfortable in chaos. Like fighting is chaotic, bro, and that's why you see a lot of low level fights. It's just you know what I mean. The next thing you know, the fight's over or somebody's gassed out. Like a high level fight's more like a dance, and it's chaotic a little bit. And the guy that's more comfortable in the chaos and and thinking and setting stuff up because fighting's more than just fighting, bro. Like you gotta have fighting's more about your entries and your exits, your positioning. What you're setting up, your game plan. Can you execute your game plan? Film study. Like, why Why is fighting the only thing that doesn't do film study and breakdowns when it comes to fights? Like, people don't want to watch their fights or who they're fighting because it's intimidating. Mm, like, you, you need to right? be studying the guy. And, and look, bro, you watch, look at his social media. Watch what he's doing. Watch what he's doing, what he trains, what is what is he drilling? You know what I mean? Because you, you, fighting is what you drill, what you implement in your sparring. Uh, you know, you drill, you, you spar what you drill. And then you fight how you spar. Mm-hmm. It's in that order. You know what I mean? If you're not doing the drills, you can tell. Like, I'm not just showing up to the gym doing classes and shit, bro. Like, I'm doing I'm doing drills, specific drills, fight situational simulation stuff. Like, you know, that's what these guys aren't doing that's going to separate me from the, the lower level guys. You know, it's, it's, like I said, entries, exits, positioning, game planning, bro. Fighting is the only place that people don't study. You know, you can't just go in there and fucking fight, bro. It don't work out like that all the time. You know what I mean? Look at the, like a perfect example is, is Gaethje. He was going in there and he was fighting. It's not caring and chaotic. Now that he's got it to every James People started saying he, uh, Brendan Schaub said he throws caution to the wind. He got pissed. Yeah, but it's like he used to. Now he doesn't, bro. Like James, when he fought James Vick, Barbosa, Cowboy, Tony Ferguson, Fazeev. Like that's a different, that's a different Gaethje. You know what I mean? That's the best example I could put coming from a guy like me. You know, that's what I see in my mind when I talk about stuff like that. Um, IQ, bro. You have to have a fight IQ. You got to have both, though. Yeah, because you could be the best guy in the gym, and then you go in a fight and look completely different. Sure. Like, you have to, you got to have it together. 
You know, it's a, it's a dangerous fucking game. Thinking man's game. Yeah, this is playing chess, bro. You can't just go in there and fight. You know, it, it doesn't work out. It might work out like that sometimes, but. Dumb people, for the most part, won't be good at MMA. Yeah, unless you would just you, got a guy say- that's willing to stand there and do the same thing you are. Just if, go nuts. Yeah, if you, if you if you got another counterpartner that's willing to stand in the fifty fifty with you, and y'all just go and see who lands the first shot that's gonna that's gonna win the fight, <laughs> or who makes you know, I'm more about like, hey, what can I set up? Like, I don't go in there expecting anything, right? Like, I don't go in there and expecting something's gonna happen. I, like, I can I can visualize and do everything I can to to, to for my mentality. But when it's all said and done, you shouldn't expect anything because you're going to expect something and it's not going to happen, and then you're going to lose your composure. So you have to be prepared outside, but when you go in there, you don't expect anything. You do your thing, do your game plan, and then the film study comes when you see the guy do something that you, that you studied in that film, then you take advantage of it. Don't go in there inspecting it. Just wait till you see it. Then you, you know what I mean? It's just fight IQ is very important, bro. I'd imagine if you're game planning for a fight, you're looking at how they take leg kicks and shit. Yeah, dude, I've spent hours <laughs> and hours and hours sitting down watching fights. People of, in your division, opponent, people in your division who you've never even considered that maybe you would fight, but there's a possibility maybe you could. Oh, yeah. So I bet you've, you're you like, this guy looks like I could fuck his calves up. Yeah, that's but that's my life, right? Like, I got time, bro. Like, I, I'm sitting here watching fights. Like, I'm studying the game hard, bro, whether it's amateurs around me, People in the top in Kentucky, people in the top in Florida, whatever. Like, and then high level fights as well. Like, I do a lot of fight breakdowns. Like, me and Zach Grasso sit down on computer and and we've studied fights on Zoom together, bro. Like, whether that's opponents that we can fight, opponents we've got, you know, locked in already. Like, we studied Dominic to the T, bro. And then I presented everything I studied with him to Phil. You know, Phil looked over everything I had to say. Purple made- Dominic's purple belt again. Your most recent fight. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, and, you and Phil looked over. I didn't mean to interrupt you. You, you and Phil looked over the the tape, and what did you see? Yeah, we seen uh he had, everything he, off his back. We he had knew bitch, his... bitch calves. <laughs> that that too, yeah. I mean, he 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 he, he, he uh, definitely was eating leg kicks when he fought a, um his only other loss, bro. You know, he got dropped with a leg kick in his in his only other loss, but the dude wasn't able to finish him because he was he was too scared to get on the mat with him. I wasn't. I knew how to shut it down. You know, I was on top of this guy and his guard doing things that other guys were getting finished immediately. These guys weren't less than a minute in his guard. I smacked, I beat his ass in his guard up against the cage. You know, we were very prepared for that fight on the feet and on the mat. You know, kudos to Zach Grasso and Phil Perkins because that's we had a fucking game plan. That Who's we, Zach Grasso? If we can do that every time, it's these guys are going to have issues. Zach Grasso is my buddy that I, that I trained with in Florida. He was my trainer. He's, the, he's who I give all the credit for my fight IQ. And the way that I look at striking. He lives in Colorado now, but he's just a very high-level thinker, man. The way he looks at fighting and combat in general is just ridiculous. Like, positioning your base, like, rhythm steps. Like, just other shit that the people don't think about. Like, you know, people just don't think about. why We're the only sport that's not advanced enough to with all the details, like, like football and basketball is. These guys are running plays. and like, You know what I mean? You have to have that some type of look about that with fighting too like even though it's a brutal sport you got to fight like there's a time and place for that i'd say in a way mma fighting is kind of similar not the same but similarities with baseball because baseball is so old you can have people who are like just really good at one thing and that works sometimes and there's so many different moving parts to baseball psychologically like my son signed up tried out for the school baseball team he's never played before and he's in eighth grade he made the team he doesn't play 
but he's learning the rules. And I was telling, uh, talking to him about it. It's like there's so many fucking weird rules and stuff in, in baseball and so many different little parts that you need to know to be good. But I think in a way that that's kind of similar. to It's like chess to, yeah. to MMA. The key's in the details, man, with anything you do. If you you got to commit all the way if you're going to do it. You know what I mean? You got to know you can't just go to the gym and do your classes and do do your shit and just expect that you're going to be on the same level as everybody else, especially when you get a better competition, bro. Like, you got to do shit that these other guys aren't. That, that, that Mamba mentality, that Kobe shit, man. You a fan of Kobe Bryant? Yeah, yeah. You a fan of basketball? What's your favorite sport outside of fighting? To watch or just, like, in general? Cause like okay, what, what sport outside of fighting are you the best at to play? Probably soccer. Oh, you said soccer. Okay. Yeah, but I'm good at basketball, too. I can play basketball. I'm okay. short, though, bro. It's different. <laughs> you know, but I can hoop, for sure. Okay. Like a, like a casual base, you know. I can hoop. I can dribble. I can shoot. And you follow the NBA at least a little bit? I mean. You think the Lakers somewhat. might win it all this year? I mean, they, they probably could. I Isn't that crazy? Kind of yeah. crazy? It's like, that would be a big deal. Yeah. For, I mean, it's for always LeBron. a big deal from, from with the Lakers. Yeah, no, politically and stuff, you know, there's people hate LeBron. It's crazy. But I like yeah. to try to separate entirely that all stuff. But yeah. on the court, he's fucking great. If he can somehow get them to the finals this year, that would be a... That comes with everybody, though, right? Like LeBron, like what you do outside or what you say outside of it, regardless, he's still a great basketball player. Same thing with like John Jones. Agreed. What he does outside of the cage, like it's controversial, whatever, but he's still a great fighter. Like... I don't know. I guess this is how people judge you and think of it. Like I said, a lot of emotionally invested. They can be, they can hate you. You know, they can love you. You know, they, they still tune in. Floyd Mayweather. You still they, know what's they, going on. They fucking on. hate you. You're still paying to watch them hopefully get beat, but you're still paying. You still know what's going on. You know who, you, you know, maybe not nowadays because he's doing a- exhibition matches. That but. shit's crazy. <laughs> he, you see that? He, he'll get paid like 400000 just to go uh, uh, do an exhibition against some old Japanese guy over in Indonesia or something. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Hopefully I can get that type of fucking money one day. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, well, Tyler Stout, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Yeah, yeah, anytime, bro. I would love to come back in the future, too. Yeah, we, we can set something up maybe with one of your teammates. And I can imagine the 502 rounds, yeah. you know, Blake Alvey. Dylan, you've got some, I mean, that's a, a legit yeah. uh, rotation you guys got there There's now. a bunch of guys over there, man. I, You know, you got Ali, you got Jacob Yancey, um, Patrick Haynes. You got, a, you got a, there's a bunch of guys up there, man, that are just, you know, wilder, just behind the radar that are just wait till they pop out when they get ready because we're working, man. We're cooking some shit up in that gym. That's going gonna, gonna to come out real soon. I love it. Well, once again, Tyler, thank you very much for coming on the show today. I also want to thank everyone for tuning in. Of course, We'll have another episode out soon.